welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. It really is my favourite time of the week because we get to hear the Agenda Cafe. And I'd love to welcome back on the programme our wonderful co-host, Karen Ko. Karen, how are you doing? Good to see you. Hi, Noreen. I'm doing well, as usual, for a Friday. I always love Fridays as well because it's the end of the week and I get to talk to you. Exactly. And we've got a great topic uh, this afternoon. I'd like to actually also invite our listeners to join us on Facebook as well. It's up and running. Uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And this afternoon we'll be talking about divorce and also relocation. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not a topic that people like to talk about a lot, obviously, because it's full of a lot of emotion, but it's also full of a lot of uh, legal complications. And so what we're talking about today are some of the intricacies and complications of family relocation if there is a split in the family. So, for example, if parents decide to split up, children are involved and one party wants to move away, maybe to a home country or to a third country for whatever reason, what is that process? You know, what does it look like? What what decisions have to be made? And what do families uh, need to know before they take any action? And we're going to um, talk about some of the cases that have happened recently um, and also from a legal perspective, because obviously the law gets involved here. And we're really thrilled to have with us to explore some of these issues, Billy Coe. And Billy is a partner um, in the family team at the law firm Withers. Uh, Billy has a lot of expertise advising on all aspects of family law, including divorce and separation, nuptial agreements, children's custody, and other complex financial disputes. So Billy, welcome to the Agenda Cafe. It's great to have you join us. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Lorraine. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's get into it. Before we go into some of the, you know, the cases and what you've seen happen recently, can you just give us and our listeners a broader outline of, you know, what is the process of divorce, especially when children are involved? Yes, of course, I'd be happy to. Um, so in, well, in, in, in all divorces, we say there are two sides of it. If there are children, there's obviously the children's side, and then there's always the financial side of things. And then there's also the divorce itself, because in order to get, you know, a divorce in Hong Kong, one could actually, there are um, a few reasons whereby one must plead. Um, for example, unreasonable behavior, um, adultery, desertion, and then there's also separation grounds. Um, the respondent, i.e. Um, not the petitioning party, can always defend a divorce petition. So first of all, the petitioner, the applicant must establish a ground of divorce. And once that goes through, once the courts approve it, we then move on to kids matters and also financial matters. Now in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong courts are likely to deal with kids matters first mm -hmm. because to the court's eyes, children are much more important than finances. It's only when kids matters are finalized and when financial matters are finalized usually will the court uh, make a decree of what we call a decree absolute, which is the final decree finally dissolving a marriage. So that means that the divorce may take a long time because the two parties can't agree on about the children? Yes, it can actually take a very, very long time. Um, well, first of all, the Hong Kong court's diary is extremely, extremely busy. Um, to put things into perspective, to give you an, an idea, the longest divorce that I'm handling, it's around seven years and it's still oh, ongoing. Wow. So it actually takes a long time. 
Um, and, you know, if it's going to be a full on fight, i.e. there's a fight on the suit itself and then there's fights on kids matters, there's a fight on financial matters. Um, the divorce proceedings can be dragged on for many, many years. So, so when it's children's matters, is it really agreeing on custody, for example? Like, uh, I, you know, we share joint custody or I get the kids on this weekend and you get them on that holiday. Is, are those the kinds of um, issues and problems that people have, have problems agreeing on? Yes, you're perfectly right. Um, there are two sides, um, two main sides of children matters. First of all, we have custody. Now, there's, there can be joint custody and sole custody, but in real terms, um, it does not matter. What's important is the second issue, which we call the care and control of the children. Now, care and control, the parent who has care and control will have the kids living with him or her on a day-to-day -day basis. So, for example, if the mother has care and control, um, the kids will be living with the mother on a day-to-day -day basis. The father, on the other hand, will have what we call access access rights. Now, access rights, there are two main parts to it. One is um, weekday access or daytime access. And then the second part is overnight staying access. Um, so it's really um, mainly what's important is care and control. And the other side would have to fight for defined or enough access. And can the, can the access change from what was agreed upon? And, and how, does, how does that evolve in the course of, you know, maybe it started of not very amicable and it becomes better, the relationship? I mean, how is that mm. finalized? How has it changed in the process? So when, 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 we, when we talk about finances, um, it can be a clean cut, clean break financial um, settlement or decision, meaning that the parties can never come back to court and ask for more. It can be done. But when it comes to kids, children matters, it can always be varied. It can always be varied until the kids it's, uh, reaches out adulthood, majority. Now, the reason the thinking behind it is because the arrangement today, which we have agreed upon, or an order made by court today, is in their, is in their best interest. But will it be in their best interest in five years' time? Because, because things change. Kids grow up very, very quickly. Um, like you said, um, the relationship the kids have today with the father could be mediocre, not very good. But then when they spend more time together, when they, um, when they go travel together, things will improve. And that's when the dad can come back to the wife or to the court asking for more access. Mm. Care and control can also be changed. And that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of it. Kids matters can always be varied because circumstances change. Mm. Billy, I'm curious, do the courts ever ask the children for their opinion? I mean, do they actually ask the kids at different stages, who would you prefer to live with day to day? They do. Um, but to be honest, it doesn't happen too often. Um, the next question is, you know, when, when, when does the court actually talk to the kids? It really depends on the maturity of the kids. Mm. Um, like, I mean, age is one thing, but a, 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 you know, two boys of age 10 could have totally different maturity. So it really all depends on the, on the maturity level of the kids. Now, even if the judge do not see the kids um, personally, the courts will almost always order a social welfare um, officer report. So a social welfare officer will be appointed to the case. Um, the officer will pay uh, house visits, home visits, um, and, and even school visits and then make a recommendation to the courts as to who should get care and control and how access should be. 
Now, during the process, also likely that the officer will interview the kids. But again, it really depends on how old they are. If we're talking about a child of two years old, it's extremely, it's, they, won't, they won't interview the kid. They but won't if get the much. Is, no, if, if the kid is 12 years old, then they will certainly talk to them and see what they prefer. They may not, they may not listen and follow the child's preference, but it will certainly be a, a consideration that they have when putting together that report. Yeah, for mm. care and control, Billy, um, what are some of the factors that are looked at when deciding uh, which parent gets the primary custodial rights? Now, in Hong Kong, um, the, our, our laws tend to favour the mother, tend to favour mm. the mother. Um, the officer and the judge will definitely um, pay attention to the uh, usual arrangement during marriage. Or Is that discrimination against fathers or some sort of unfair offset or, you know, un- unconscious bias towards men? It's, I mean, I, 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 it's, it, there is somewhat a, an unconscious bias towards men. Um, but, um, like, I mean, if, 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 a, if a, a, a husband can show to the court that, you know, I'm capable, I'm able, my work is flexible, that's very important. Yes. My experience um, in this field is that a lot of men in Hong Kong are extremely busy. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, nowadays it's better because of COVID, although they're busy, it's much more flexible. Yes. You know, bankers not don't have as much, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Bankers don't have to fly, although they have to work overnight. But they're in Hong Kong, so then they can provide hands-on care to the children, and that's something that I, I can see really has changed during the past year and a half, because as long as the man has flexibility in working, and if he is capable of providing hands-on care to the children, um, he should not be treated any differently from the mother. Um, and there are cases where we have successfully fought for the father and achieved for what we call shared care and control. So half and half, so Meaning half, half the half. week. Okay, half the That's week they'll right. stay and live with That's the father. Right. That's right. Okay. And it can be it can be one week on, one week off, two weeks on, two weeks off, or three days on, three weeks, three days off. So it comes so down really to flexible. the flexibility of the parents. So in some cases, if the mother was, say, the breadwinner of the family, it could actually uh, be not to her advantage because she'd, she'd be the one who, have to, who has to work long hours. Correct. And yeah. work, work long, working long hours is definitely one of the main obstacles mm. we see today fighting for access. Yeah. Do, is for, and obviously you would think, although you said that the courts look at finances second, they must look at financial ability to provide for the child, right? Yes. Yes. Um, what the, um, when it comes to um, financials in relation to children, um, there's ongoing maintenance for the children. And usually that's, that will be provided for by the breadwinner. Yeah. So by whoever you know, makes the money. Mm. If we have a couple who earns roughly around the same amount, um, then there's no reason why maintenance or contribution to the children should not be shared. Yeah. And right, can that okay. be revised depending on, you know, can, can finances be, be uh, revised? I mean, if the father gets a, a new job, a better paying job, can, can, can. The, can they request for more money, more spousal support or can. more money? Oh, wow. And it, hop- it happens very often. Um, wow. Same thing with children matters. Financial on children can always be varied. Mm-hmm. Especially we all know, you know, like a, a child of two years old and a child of 18 years old. <laughs> entering into uni, uni university, the, the amount of expenses will be tremendously different. And that's why um, we have clients coming back to us maybe um, 
two years, three years, asking, you know, let's let's write to the other side asking for, for example, more maintenance because the child has now reached a different stage, right? Where she has to take more lessons, for example. So, so that can Billy, always be changed. Bill, you were saying how you know, on one hand, during COVID. Um, maybe the situation got better for, for some parents because they're not traveling as much. But have you seen in, in your practice um, basically more couples breaking up? Is, and, you know, we've talked about this on another show that one of the mm. side effects of COVID in certain countries is a higher rate of people applying for divorce, usually women, <laughs> because they were uh, under lockdown. They are this sort of enforced togetherness. Mm-hmm. pushed couples who wouldn't were maybe not so strong to really to the brink definitely um especially during the first six months nine months of covid when there was you know um people had to work from home and especially in hong kong when when space is definitely an issue um i see more inquiries more people come to us asking for advice because their lifestyle their the, the way that they live have, have tremendously changed um, they're now stuck with their their spouse, you know, 24/7, whereas before they have at least you know nine hours away from the home. They there tends to be more arguments, and which I be, I believe there is um and that's what led to um more inquiries and definitely more divorce. Yeah, well, let's turn to this topic of relocation uh, when it comes to children. This afternoon on the Agenda Cafe, Karen Ko and myself, we're talking with Billy Ko, and Billy is a partner with the family team at the law firm Withers and advises on all aspects of family law, including divorce and separation, nuptial agreements, and also children's custody. Uh, well, let's turn to, perhaps let's give a scenario, uh, Billy. You know, what happens if one parent, uh, let's say that, that the parent with the sort of primary uh, custodial privileges, uh, uh, care and, and, and control, if you like, decides to relocate with the child. What is the process and, and how should they approach it when it comes to uh, 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 w- with the courts? Well, the first thing is to make sure um, you, you've done all your research. You need a very well-planned um, uh, arrangement um, uh, in the foreign states, foreign destination. You need to make sure you know and you can tell the courts where you will be living with the with the child education plans is very important okay you have to tell the court you have to persuade the court that i have done my research and that everything done is in the best interest of my child yeah. okay now um the, so the first thing after all your research is done my advice would be for for one to approach your spouse to see whether your spouse actually agrees to it Ah, so do okay. it beforehand. So do you're... not jump to court. Yes. Um, right. like, I mean, approach your lawyer or even just talk privately. Communicate. Communicate is the key to, 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 to these matters. So ask your spouse whether he or she would agree to the relocation. Okay. Give him or her your plans. And then tell your spouse, look, I'm happy to offer whatever or this amount of access to the child whenever you are in the destination states or when we return from Hong Kong. That's very important. Now, um, if your spouse does not agree to your relocation, then you would have to make an application to the court, okay? All applications to the court needs to be supported by an affidavit, a sworn statement, telling the court all your detailed plans. So which would include your education plan, uh, accommodation plan, um, uh, how has the, the child's expenses will be paid by, 
and how will you offer access to your spouse? Because that's again very important. The course needs to know that the the the, the spouse who remains in Hong Kong will have enough access to the kid. Okay, so once the application is filed with the courts, it needs to be served on the other side. Now the other side will have an opportunity to file an affidavit, either agreeing or opposing, usually opposing, the application, and then telling the court why. For example, access is not enough. Your research is very it's it's very mediocre. It's not um it's there's not enough planning, and it's not in the best interest of the child. For example. Now, with as with all applications, the applicants will always have two chances to file affidavits. So after the respondent files an affidavit, the applicant gets another chance. With all the affidavits filed, um, we will have a directions hearing or a trial, a main hearing. Okay, um, that's when the court will hear all evidence from both sides. The court will also extremely likely hear evidence from experts. As mentioned before, the social welfare officer would prepare, also prepare a report on relocation, and sometimes psychologists, sometimes psychologists, you know, visiting the child, and then making a recommendation as to whether relocation should happen. Should happen. Now, um, and then the court will, will eventually make a conclusion, um, a decision, and decide whether relocation should be allowed, and if it's allowed, how access should be. So that's the general procedure um, as to what happened within a relocation application. Are, are there that certain scenarios? Like, yeah, sorry, go on, Karen. I was going to say that sounds like that would take quite a while for someone to prepare and you know eventually try to to sort of execute this plan. Oh, it's it not would. something that just happens in a month or two. From beginning, unless there's any urgency, um, a relocation application, ordinary one, my estimate is at least a year. A year and a half before it will be decided, from wow. the day of research until conclusion. Wow. And then that does not include any appeal that any you know the losing party may lodge. And what constitutes as an urgent application? I mean, what if somebody has a very good job offer overseas in I don't know, say Japan? Um, mm. Is that or, or is that they, considered yeah. as urgent? I mean, what are or the they scenarios? lose or they lose their job here and they can't stay? Yeah. Now, um. Financial consideration is definitely something that the court will have, but if you ask for my own opinion, is it the 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 most important consideration? I guess it depends on the case, but generally it's not. Mm. Yeah. So, for example, a recent case that I did, that was exactly the reason that the wife used in her relocation application, mainly on finances. Mm -hmm. Basically, saying I can't find a job in Hong Kong. But there's a job elsewhere, and because I need to, uh, uh, you know, make a living and support my kid, therefore I I must move. Yeah, we'll talk more about the circumstances of the case perhaps after the news because that that's very interesting because the case actually uh, was ruled in her favor in, in the family courts, but it was overturned in the court of appeal. So, uh, I mean, without getting into the specifics of it, we can talk around it and we can definitely, uh, you know, give give scenarios. And we'd love for our listeners uh, to join us this afternoon on the Agenda Cafe. Uh, we're chatting with Billy Co, a family lawyer uh, from the law firm Withers, on this week's Agenda Cafe with Karen Co. Uh, 
of our listeners joining us on Facebook, uh, stay with us there. Uh, we'll be breaking for the 2.30 news and we'll re- be returning uh, to this great topic uh, this afternoon with Billy and Ken. Welcome back. You're listening to the Agenda Cafe this afternoon with me, Karen Ko and Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. And this afternoon, we're talking about the subject of divorce, um, family separations and children and the legal aspects um, of what can happen when you have some complications. And we're talking with Billy Ko. Billy is a partner in the family team at the law firm Withers, and he advises on all aspects of family law, including divorce and separation nuptial agreements, children's custody, and complex financial disputes. So we're also on Facebook Live. If you go to Noreen's Facebook page, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, you can see as well as hear Billy there. And if you have any questions or any comments, please feel free to drop them in the comments there. So so Billy, before the break, um, we started to to talk about this case Noreen mentioned, which uh, you was actually a case of yours recently. Um, can you, w- without obviously identifying anybody, can you tell us the details of what happened in that case and the various twists and turns? Sure. The um, the judgment was is actually published on the judiciary website, so I can I can tell you about it. Um, so basically, it's the wife's reacts for the uh, husband. It was the wife's application for relocation with a young child to Singapore. So she wanted to take the daughter to Singapore. To Singapore. Right. Now her reason is because I can't find a job in Hong Kong, and I need a or I need to make a living. And I have a job waiting for me in Singapore. Therefore, please let. Okay, so the, uh, the, the of course we we opposed it. Um, the the judge in the family courts allowed the relocation, basically saying, "Look, I believe her. I think it's a well um, thought out process. I think she has done her all her research, and I do believe it's in the kid's best interest to go to Singapore." Now, an important background information is the family has nothing, no connection with Singapore at all. That's very important because um, all the case law tell us that if there's no connection with this destination, proposed destination, then the application should be seriously scrutinized by the court. In other words, if there is connection, it's easier. If there's no connection, it's much harder. So moving if back I to am the, applying yeah, to sorry, go, go back to my homeland, then right. it's it's going to be much easier because there's connection. So um the the first instance judge family judge decided in against us, and then we brought it to the court of appeal. Now um we do we at any appeal you need leave to um to appeal, the judge, the family court judge did not give us leave saying there was no mistake, you know, it's a, it's a good judgment. And then we took it to the uh, Court of Appeal to ask for leave to appeal, which they gave, um, which, to be honest, is, is quite a, um, a surprise or, or a good result because you rarely hear any relocation cases ended up in the Court of Appeal. It's mm-hmm. not something that happens very often. So um, it was then heard um, by three judges and then the three judges eventually decided last month, decided against the wife, saying, we believe the wife has not done her research thoroughly. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, it was eventually brought 
and um, the evidence in, in court was she actually cannot work in Singapore for the first year. She cannot. Oh, so she has visa reasons. Okay. So she did okay. have a job there, but she couldn't actually work there. So these are all question marks. Right. These are all question marks that the judges were not very happy with. Um, and that's why at the beginning I said, you know, it's important that all your research is very, very clear and properly done. And solid. Otherwise, the courts, exactly. Otherwise, the courts will not allow it to happen. Um, so, you know, there we have it. Um, the, the, judge, the judges in the Court of Appeal decided against the wife and basically um, asked the child to remain in Hong Kong. Um, one interesting aspect is... Um, on the day before the Court of Appeal hearing, the travel bubble with Hong Kong and Singapore actually burst the day before. Uh-huh. I myself believe if the bubble was still in place on the day of the Court of the Appeal hearing, that would certainly be something in the wife's favor. Yeah, because oh. of the access that's available to the and n- and also we would be parent. saying, look, they can't even travel. What is the urgency? Right, right. By the time, by the time they can travel, we're talking talking about months. We're talking about uncertainty. Things would have changed. So, is it still in the best interest of the child? Yeah. Okay. So that's something that worked in our favor, and something that we we did use in court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of how COVID has sort of impacted legal decisions. Definitely, definitely, and 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 it would be interesting if the court of appeal gave us gave out more indications as to how relocation cases should be handled under COVID times because from my own opinion i do believe there are some urgent relocation cases mm-hmm. that needs to be dealt with and i do believe the, the considerations may be somewhat different comparing an urgent case and a non-urgent case my case i would say it's definitely non-urgent because first of all you know you're talking about a job that you can't even work for the first year. Um, but there are, I, I do believe there are urgent relocation cases. For example, if I don't leave Hong Kong today, there could be some irreversible damage done to, to I don't know, my, 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 you know, my family or something. Yeah. Um, so um, things like that would be, would be urgent in my view. Yeah. Billy, from, from, from your experience, I mean, that's uh, the parent with the primary sort of uh, access and care and control that the, 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 the person with like the, the, custo- main the main carer. Yeah. What happens if the parents have a shared or joint custody and then say one person wants to relocate back to their home country? I'm sorry, I, I lost you. Oh, yeah, it's okay. I'll just rip. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so, so a different scenario. Now, what happens if the parents have joint custody, uh, a shared access and, and, and joint custody of the child, and then say the dad or the mum wants to relocate back to their home country in the UK? Uh, how would that work out? And, and how, I mean, what, what's the procedure for that with the courts? The procedure is exactly the same thing. Um, one one should approach the spouse first. If the spouse does not agree, then you take it to court. And the considerations that the court would have would be the same. Um, the court would have to decide whether the child remaining in Hong Kong with the father, for example, versus um, the, the child remaining or going to the UK, returning to the homeland with the mother, um, which, which, which option is best for the child? Um, the judge would have to decide, you know, whether whether it's a again good thought out process, how are the ties the child the ties the child have with 
in Hong Kong, where the family members are, um, how is the education in the UK compared to Hong Kong. All these are considerations that the court will have. Um, yeah, it's it's each is is different. Each case is different, and that's why um, that's why that's why we say it, it really depends on the facts of the case. Mm. Yeah. So, do you think then you mentioned that you you thought it would be better if the court of appeal gave more in, indications, but on the other hand, is it hard for them to do that precisely because every case is so unique and so different? Well, indication in the sense that you know, um, I, I, you know, it would be useful if the court say said, you know, for urgent cases, um, it should be heard right away, obviously, because it's urgent. But for example, for for non-urgent cases, however they want to define it, well, maybe non-urgent cases should not be heard, you know, until a certain time because things are evolving, mm. things are changing. Um, there are many places whereby. Um, one cannot go nowadays mm. if you're an, a, not a, P, a PR there. Right. You can't travel there. So why should why should the courts deal with such an application if in reality you can't even go? Mm, mm. So 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 that those are the implications that you know I thought would could have been very useful. Which um, yeah, which will save people the effort and time of trying to build a case when you can't go anyway. <laughs> exactly. Like I mean, in, in special times now, we, like we have today, um, and for the past year and a half, I think there should be some special um, approaches, mm. and these indications I feel would be very helpful to litigants, to to parents, and also to practitioners. So another thing I'm curious about, because nowadays we are seeing a, a lot more variety of family structures. So, for example, parents who are unmarried, um, may, there are some same-sex couples who have children. And, you know, we just heard news today that, um, you know, they're finally being recognized as families. Do, does Does the legal profession and do the courts recognize those families differently or do they go through a different process? Well, when it comes to kids, they don't. Um, it's it's the the circumstances, the considerations are all the same, and it's always going to be in the best interest of the child. Yeah. So all considerations should be surrounding the child. Do you get sort of unmarried couples coming to seek advice? Um, you know, regarding on custody of children. Yes, and not only that. Um, I I have I had uh, I represented a a, a grandmother. Um, of the grandkid. Yeah, because in Hong Kong, we have it's a lot Hong of... Kong, yeah. It's Hong Kong. It's not divorce. It's not... Um, it's, it's what we call a guardianship of minorship of minors ordinance, guardianship of minors. Basically, the grandmother, you know, sought our advice um, because she wanted care and control of the child because of, you know, uh, maybe the parents are, are not in Hong Kong or maybe the parents are not um, good carers in the yeah. grand, grandmother's view. Yeah. So, but then the consideration are the same. The, the considerations that the courts have are again in the best interest of the child. Is this arrangement better than leaving the child with the father? It's not easy, you know. The, fa the father is a father, you know. Mm. Um, it's a very important role. So the grandmother, you know, ha have to really, you know, try to persuade Prove, the court yeah. to say that I'm better than my son. Um, wow. the father and it's, it's not diff it's not easy because you know age is one thing and again to replace the father to replace the mother that's 
that's hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these cases are, you know, difficult because it's, it's, they're so emotional. There's, there's so much emotion wrapped in it. And it, of course, it's very hard for a carer, whether they're parent or grandparent, to look objectively at themselves and, and their own situation. Um, Right. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Very difficult. So, you know, before marriage, sometimes people have a, a, a prenup, prenuptial agreement when it comes to finances. Can you, for example, and this is a hypothetical situation, Billy, can people sort of have a prenup of who gets custody of the children? Should there be a divorce? And will something like this actually hold up in the courts? Well, you can you can you can you can say it. But then again, because things change, because kids True. evolve. Yeah. Um, the courts are, are going to, you know, pay attention to the, the here and now. current circumstances. Yes. Mm. What is it now? How are the kids? How are they behaving? So that's much, much more important. If, if you know, it's uh, why, why look at historical arrangements? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and I suppose at the end of the day, it's a, it's a good thing that the interests of the child are the primary interests. You know, that's right. That's yeah. right. So, you know, what, what does that mean for couples then that they, of course, we all would love for our, all our relationships to be successful and last forever till death do us part, etc. But we know the reality is up to 50% of marriages break mm. up, they don't really work out. So, so should couples kind of, you know, talk about this and say, you know, realistically, we, we need to think of all the possibilities that that might happen if if we don't make it you know if, if i'm from one country and mm -hmm. my spouse is from another country where would we want the kids to be raised and if you talk about these things you know before they happen maybe you just have have a better understanding and all along you know my my i am a strong believer that communication between the spouses during marriage and or after marriage is key i find as long as the two of them communicate. They talk, they communicate, they respect each other, mm. then things are likely going to be easier and less litigious. Now, I know it's, it's much easier said than done, but um, try, try to put your grudges, your arguments with your wife, your husband aside when talking about ch children. They are already in already in a not uh, not so um, um, preferred or privileged position in their parents having separated. I think you know that the spouse that the couple must put in more time to communicate to make sure that they're not affected any further. Yeah. So any look lit, any litigation, any interviews with the social welfare officer, any interviews with the psychologist from my perspective it's going to have you know a certain impact on the child okay so if all these could be avoided by more communication more understanding towards each other more respect i think that's very important um and i'm a strong believer that you know um as long as there's good communication many things can be resolved yeah well said. and hopefully they don't end up in your office no. 
<laughs> well said. Well, it's been such a fruitful discussion uh, with you this afternoon, Billy. What a fantastic chat we, we had with you this afternoon on the Agenda Cafe. Thank you very much uh, indeed to Karen and, of course, to Billy Co. Billy is a partner with the family team at the law firm Withers, who advises on all aspects of family law, including divorce and separation, nuptial agreements, children's custody, and other complicated financial disputes. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Billy. Thank you, Laureen. Thanks, Thank Billy. Thank you, Karen. Thank Thanks, you. Laureen. Thank you, Karen. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.